Platypus Man, brought to you by Burger King, where you can get your burgers worth. And by Saturn, a different kind of company, a different kind of car. From New York, it's time for Cooking with the Platypus Man. And now, here he is, the Platypus Man himself, Richard Jenny. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome to the show. We are coming to you from New York City where our motto is, show me a guy with one foot, and I'll show you a guy who tried to hide his money in his shoe. (laughs) Folks, say hello to him. There he is, the man who comes to your town and helps your party down, our musical director, Mr. Vern Tuttle. Hello, master of the microwave, commandant of the Cuisinart, lord of the fries. (laughs) Worked on that all weekend. Hope you didn't miss one of your Star Trek conventions. Hi there, and welcome to Random Access Television, the podcast where we discuss a TV show that's been picked for us at random by our vintage supercomputer that we've fed the name of every TV show in existence into. My name is Zach, and here today with me is my new host, Joe Adelian. Adelian? Is that how I said it right? Yeah, I did. Joe Adelian. <laughs> Indeed. Scallion. Exactly. Uh, West Coast editor of Vulture. Uh, so this time around, the computer has chosen for us the short-lived sitcom Platypus Man from 1995. Do you have any experience with the series? Did you watch it when it aired? I don't know if I watched. I might have watched uh, a screener. I was at Variety back in the day, um, and I probably wrote about its um, short life. Although uh, back then in 95, I wouldn't have been at Variety, because this was with 95, right? I would have been at the New York Post then. So there is a chance that I might have actually, for all I know, I could have done some sort of interview with with uh, with Richard Jenny, I, I probably was went to the press tour uh, where he was at for UPN. Uh, but boy, I got to tell you, Zach, zero memory of the show. I mean, I remember the name, remember Richard Jenny, yeah. but when I watched the show, it's like, oh, that's what this was about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I remember I p- might have watched it because I was my my house was a big Star Trek house, so the premiere ah. of Star Trek Voyager was a huge deal, and this aired right afterwards. Yes. Great, um, great lead. But I don't remember watching Platypus Man or its partner pigsty ever <laughs> and i'm like looking at monday nights and i'm like what i didn't want when didn't watch party five i guess i would have watched murphy brown or maybe just gone to sleep or something i don't know uh this is also my peak comedy central years so i was probably just watching kids in the hall reruns all the time so a little history segment here that we start with uh stand up on tv so now it's been really quite established, but in the early days, stand-up comedians and TVs didn't fit too well together. As stand-up comedy of the type that we know, with the personal stories and the record albums and everything, didn't really develop until the mid-60s, till the early to mid-60s. And instead of somebody like Abbott and Costello, or, or the, rap, the brat, uh, rat Pack, not Brat Pack, uh, they didn't work at a nightclubs that were the, kind of the talent factories for TV comedians at the time, but they came from these weird dark places like beaten at coffee shops and liberal colleges. Didn't stop them from trying, though. There were early attempts to make stand-ups at the time in stars, like Bob Newhart hosted a variety show in 1961 that lasted like six weeks, and the Smothers Brothers sitcom in 1965 flopped really bad because they didn't know what to do with them. Eventually, though, that kind of changed because of everything in TV, because of All in the Family and the wave of successful, more urban shows that got, you know, your Beverly Hillbillies of the World replaced by the Mary Tyler Moore show, your urban purge. I remember it well. I wasn't there, but. 
So just for example, I mean, the first one was Red Fox, who would not have been allowed on TV even five years before. Filthy, filthy, filthy man, Red Fox. <laughs> um, had a hit with Sanford and Son. And so whether or not they even acted beforehand as your lead for a sitcom became kind of a regular thing. So you got Freddie Prinze, Gabe Kaplan, Jimmy Walker, Bob Newhart again. They all had hit shows in the 70s. So this kind of faded away in the early 80s, as all sitcoms did. Uh, they, it just kept flopping one after another. The, I think this most exemplified by the massive flop that was uh, Paul Rodriguez's AKA Poplar. Oh, man. Um, it only managed six episodes before being canceled and would later be listed uh, as a TV Guide special issue as one of the worst TV shows of all time. It wasn't. I saw the pilot recently, but, you know, they didn't know that then. That's so unfair. Uh, That's so unfair because it was also one of the few sitcoms with a Latino lead at the time. I mean, obviously, Chico had been around, but very few before that. I'm, and very few after. I mm-hmm. mean, still to this yep. day, it's like George Lopez, Crisella had one, and then that's pretty much it. There might be one or two, but yeah, nothing that lasted more than a season. It's a whole. Well, that's I, a whole other episode. Yes, yes, it definitely is. Um, and then 1985 came, big sigh, Bill Cosby. <laughs> So his 1985 sitcom not only revived the concept of sitcoms as popular shows, revived NBC, its network, but revived the idea of looking at the then white-hot stand-up comedy scene for the next potential sitcom star. So soon the airways were full of stand-ups who had their own shows to throw out some at random, you know, Paul Reiser, Gary Shandling, Bob Saget, all suddenly on every week. Uh, and then came Roseanne, Roseanne Barr, who went from her first appearance on The Night Show to having the number one show on TV in less than three years. And after that, it was off to the races. So now the networks chasing that trend would would just basically grab what it feels like to me, any stand-up with a pulse who would sign a contract, give them their own sitcom. The peak of this was the mid-90s, which leads us to Richard Jenny, star of Platypus Man, the first ever sitcom to air on the brand new UPN network. And that's the show we're watching this week. Specifically, we watched the only available episode that I could find, The Pilot. Um, it aired on January 23rd, 1995. What were your thoughts while watching this? Uh, well, you know, uh, the, the the biggest thought was actually a show that in the stand-up uh, that, that you didn't mention actually uh, was Seinfeld. It felt like it was a bargain basement Seinfeld. Um, and, um, you know, it, it um, and, and, you know, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Um, um, I, you know, I, I, Richard Jenny has a... a First of all, he's a better actor than Jerry Seinfeld ever was, yeah. um, I think. I think he just had a much more natural presence. He felt uh, comfortable, sort of. He didn't feel stilted. Um, but, you know, the show starts and the whole framing device, they have their version uh, of, uh, instead of the stand-up, uh, he's a host of a cooking talk show, which is really his way of sort of, hey, this is me, the character sort of interacting with you and setting you up for the show. So it, it wasn't the exact same thing as, as what Seinfeld does, but it was sort of echoes of that. And yeah, um, and, and, I didn't, I didn't think about that, but yeah, it's kind of like the Seinfeld stand-up bits into mm-hmm. the, to the show itself. Yeah. It was the framing and, and which was, which, it was a clever idea, um, you know, and, and some of the cast members, some of his, you know, his, there are, you know, uh, he has a, a next door neighbor. The next door neighbor is not zany, uh, but she's sort of a guy's guy, sort of not unlike Lane Bennis, you know, yeah. not exactly the same sort of thing. Then there's also sort of a chubby, goofy guy who sort of is the butt of everyone's jokes. There's a fat lock joke that I kind of loved. Um, oh, really? Bad, but 
I mean, it's it's a bad, horrible, awful joke in, in many ways, but it was like it was cleverly dumb. Um, um, so there was, I saw that, and then and then you had sort of um, the 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 more uh, loony neighbor as well. Um, well, although I, I'm sort of actually. I guess Lou is sort of a combination of Kramer and 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 George. His, his next door neighbor just kind of walks in, and he's kind of George. He's kind of a generic '90s slob kind of guy. Remind me a lot more of the uh, uh, whichever one the slobby guy inside Herman's head was. <laughs> yes. He looked and acted a lot like that with a backwards baseball cap and everything. Yes. It's yes. funny you were talking about the the fat lock joke. I actually in my clips, I, I I took a clip of that, and we can just play that right here. Hey, Rich. Hey, Sports Page. What's this thing doing closed? Is there an orange roof on this place? This isn't a Howard Johnson's. Hey, Page, you want to go hit some balls at the batting cage later? I can't, Lou. I've got a date. A date? Really? <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Ever since I came down from the bell tower and cut off my hump, things have really picked up for me. You are Mr. Smooth. Hey, I didn't mean it the way it came out. We all hang out so much together, I think of her as one of the guys. And there's that other thing. <laughs> what other thing? Oh, you know. She's a sports writer, ex-professional golfer. I saw her buy a K.D. Lang CD. Do I have to draw your picture? Who put you in charge of the lesbian police, Detective Fatlock? <laughs> so you mentioned the Fatlock joke. I actually wrote in my notes, worst joke of the episode. <laughs> I was doing it. Well, I love it in, in a like, oh, it's so bad. It's funny. It's 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 obvious. It's a bad pun. It's yeah. uh, it's it's sizest. It's like it's I know, all the things that I would never I would never nominate that joke, for, you know, put in my in an Emmy reel. Uh, but it just made me laugh because it was just so dumb. And it was like it, it reminded me, even though this is the mid 90s, this was a show that we'll get into the history of the people who wrote it, I'm sure later. But, you know, like I immediately recognize Mort Nathan's name, one of the creators. And, and it just has that sort of very like cheesy, jokey where, you know, sitcom writers back in the 70s, you know, had in the 80s, you know, every second of every scene had to go for a big laugh. Right. And so you got things like Fatlock because someone pitched in the writer's room. It's like, sure, put that in. Why not? We're going to be if you don't like it. Guess what? We're going to move on in three seconds. You know, there's yeah. there, there aren't there are any beats. There's not like, you know, so. So, yeah. So, no. No, I, I it was it wasn't like oh my god that's genius. It was like oh god that's so cheesy. But I love cheesy puns, so therefore, you know. <laughs> to, to, to sum up the basic plot of the episode here, the uh, I'm laughing at it now, Fatlock. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on, Zach. I, I would uh, probably have laughed at one of the twelve other pitches in the uh, in the, exactly. the, but the it, room, but but it, but it's also I just yeah, just love the fact because Matlock itself is almost a punchline at this point, you know. True, and even by nineteen ninety five, I was thinking they probably started with a Jake and the Fat Man reference, but then they were <laughs> not a detective, so it doesn't really work. I think he was a defense attorney, so. <laughs> Uh, I mean, just in general so to set it up you know he's doing his uh his uh his opening with the cooking show where he's like a guy's guy's cooking show we're gonna teach you how to do these easy recipes and then he has a band leader played by uh ethan phillips who is neelix on upn from benson oh well i was thinking more importantly neelix on star trek voyager oh that's the thing yes. that preceded this oh that's very synergistic there and he's only in the pilot 
Also synergistic. Oh, interesting. That is, oh man, I, I can imagine what UPN executive uh, told the writers, this is who you're going to cast in that role. <laughs> and, and, and it's also funny because I, when, when I was doing the editing here earlier, uh, I look and I listen to it and he actually doesn't do the intro. It actually sounds like Evan Handler. Uh, oh. I don't know if he's later in the show and he's never on screen with Richard Jenny. So I think it was a last second addition <laughs> to the... that someone was like panicking and told, we can say stay tuned for whatever. And I'm sure the promos feature this guy heavily at some point, or at least if they didn't have at least one promo in there. That's, yeah, that's hilarious. They didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, see for me. He's the guy from, he was, uh, he was only in a few episodes. I think he was in the first two seasons of Benson. Or maybe he stayed for more. I can't remember, but yes, uh, uh, he, he was. Uh, I think three or I think you know the final season, maybe only. And um, yeah. it's funny because he was there with uh, Rene Ajabanoir, however the heck you say his name, who was also from right, Star Trek, from, so. who was also in Voyager, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, wow. Deep Space Nine, but the yeah. Benson Star Trek Axis. The it's just I'm yeah, you, comes up did, a surprising amount in things. Did Robert Guillaume ever do any Star Trek? As far as I know, no, but, you know, there's oh, so man. much of it out there that I'm sure that he did a voice of some Klingon somewhere. So you were mentioning the next door neighbor, uh, Denise Miller, played her, the Elaine-like character, who's the, the sports writer. I actually thought the exposition to introduce all the characters was surprisingly smooth. This was a it was. very professional show. These people uh, knew she, what they were doing, these writers. She was, uh, of all the supporting characters, the only one that I really liked. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> she was like a sitcom pro. She was actually on the show Fish as one of the adopted kids. Oh, That's my That's how she Lord. got her start. Oh, so wow. So she had been around for a long time. Um, uh, no, she was good. I mean, unfortunately, though, in the show, they, even though the it's very clear from the start that she's into guy, we think she's into guys, but no, they had to go with a little gay moral panic and and do all sorts of issue, really, a lesbian, and oh, she likes Katie Lang, and it's just like Legavelt. Um, it's it's so nineteen ninety five and so UPN. Very well, and that's the other thing is if if by UPN you mean very clearly trying to be Fox, because you're right, it is yes. very Seinfeld, but much but, more explicit than Seinfeld ever got. Oh yeah, without it was Seinfeld meets. Um, you know, sort of like some crappy '70s sitcom or '80s sitcom. Uh, it was, it was very mo- not. It wasn't aggressively macho. There, there. Look, there are scenes of the guy sort of ogling women, but the women sort of ogle back, like or, or sort of look back at him, like "shut up, idiot." So it wasn't, it wasn't quite, you know, Mary with children levels of bodiness by any means. Um, it was the mid '90s now, and they were a little bit, uh, but but, and, and it wasn't trying to be Fox completely. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it, it certainly didn't have the, uh, the, the wit and wisdom of Larry David. It just had sort of the template of Seinfeld married with sort of like a very generic sit, uh, stand-up sitcom. Yeah. So actually, as I think a good example, I'm going to play a clip of, uh, when Paige, that's the character played by Denise Miller, recounts her date, um, with some off-screen character and you can kind of get the, uh, the nineties sex jokes in here. Coffee, Tommy. Hey, Paige. Hey, how you doing? How'd the big date go? Well, I finally got some use out of those condoms. All right, good for you. <laughs> yeah, my date turned out to be Mary. So I filled a couple of Trojans with water and dropped them on his head as he walked to his car. <laughs> I give up on men. I'm sorry, Paige. Hey, your luck will change, cutie. I hope so. The last time I had sex, members-only jackets were so popular. <laughs> Talk about stand-ups earlier. Let's talk about Richard Jenny. So Richard Jenny was born Richard John Colangelo in Brooklyn, New York, on April 14th, 1957. Um, from everything I've read, he grew up in a complete, stereotypical New York neighborhood. 
Um, his official website mentioned that he went to the high school that's in the opening of Welcome Back, Cotter, if that shows you something. Oh, wow. Uh, so, liked the biography. A lot of stand-up comedians. He was a class clown. He had the ability to make people laugh, and he used it to integrate himself into a group of delinquents when he was in middle school. He kind of filtered through them for a while, uh, you know, missed months of school at the time, but eventually cleaned up, went to college, got a job driving a cab, and was absolutely miserable. So on the suggestion of a girlfriend, he worked on a five-minute act, went to the local comedy club, and bombed. And then went to the next week and bombed again, and bombed again over and over and over. But he was kind of clinging to it as the best thing in his life, um, which he was trying to, and then this is in his words, basically not rejoin the thugs he used to join, uh, hang around with. So obviously he was a determined guy, more determined than I ever will be. Uh, he hung around most of the 80s in the scene, started making it to the big time in the late 80s. 88, he started to have specials on Showtime, appearances on Tonight Show, and not just the Johnny Carson era, but he actually, trivia bit about him, did more stand-up appearances on the Jay Leno Tonight Show than any other comedian ever did. Get out. Wow. I don't know who I would have guessed been second, but that makes sense to me. <laughs> uh, <so>. Carrot Top. <laughs> That's who I would Ooh. guess. Yeah. You're not a Leno fan, I'm guessing? Uh, yeah, I, I like Jay personally, uh, but, you know, yeah. 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 I, I used to watch headlines, and that was it. So, uh, <laughs> Really, Zach? Yeah, everybody, yeah. Everyone, did, everyone used to be able to do their Jay. Yeah, you know, wow, good, I hope so. your microphone recorded that. You got the high pitches there that only dogs could hear, so <laughs> that was pretty impressive. Uh, so eventually his biggest show, uh, showcase of them all, because even then HBO was bigger than Showtime, a 1992 special called Platypus, Platypus Man. Man. Yeah, I, I thought to maybe watch this ahead of time, but I, I didn't get around to it, because I also was wondering, you, you know, in the first episode of most stand-up uh, sitcoms, half of what their dialogue is is just directly from their last stand-up special. Uh, so I was kind of curious to see how that was. But uh, it's kind of only a matter of time before somebody gave him a sitcom, although I kind of wonder how many pilots he had between Platypus Man and 92 and this. And and so he used the name of the HBO special for his sitcom, uh, but I think that was such a... Ultimately, it was oh, one yeah. of the many mistakes that, that UP had made with this because it, you know the main titles basically have to explain what the hell the title itself means not what right. the show is i'm all fine with a, a show show's opening credits sort of explaining the show especially if it's a song and lots of video like i i love story songs you know beverly hillbillies that tells the story of what the show is uh, but but you know when you have to explain the title uh, you know with dictionary definitions you're already oh, losing yeah. the audience and you know just just call it jenny yeah. just it, it would jenny would have been like sort of you know generic but like we're called the richard jenny show whatever but just like platypus man was just people didn't know what the hell it was and it's like it wasn't going to you know it was upn you even with with the star trek show ahead of it you had a high bar like so you better have something that sounds a little more interesting than platypus man yeah i mean i mean that was obviously their big their big thing it was right after Voyager, and it had the biggest star of the the network. I don't remember. I looked up all their other 1995 launch shows, and none of them had huge stars in particular. Uh, you know, I was looking at the ratings, and uh, it did not do well, um, even for UPN. It finished <laughs> as the 136th ranked show out of 142 that year. Now, in fairness to UPN, other than Star Trek, everything else on UPN and the WB was always in that. I remember covering ratings and everything was always in the sub 100 levels. That was where UPN and WB sort of lived, except for Star Trek. And then when it, when it came on, um, you know, um, Dawson's Creek rocketed out of there. But it was, it was yeah. But it was, but even the only other shows, 
the only other shows below it were other UPN shows and then <laughs> all of the WB shows, which kind of surprised me that the WB got worse ratings than the UPN, but maybe early it just had on. less affiliates. Yeah, so. early on it did. It, did it, it took a while, and, and UPN, Star Trek gave it sort of that big sort of halo, right? And that, that mattered. It was a, it was a big deal. Um, oh, and that's when Star Trek was at its peak yes, of popularity. Yeah, it was. It was. It was riding the high of people remembering the, the syndicated '80s show, and now it's the first one on a network since NBC. Um, it was. It was. It was. A, it was a big deal. Do you have anything more to say about the episode? I mean, like, would, well, if, if it's 1995 and you just watch the pilot again, would you have watched this next week? <laughs> um, probably not. No, I do want to say. My my vote for the worst joke was uh, when one of the characters asked, "Does Schindler have a list?" Is sort of oh yeah <laughs> that was <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's nineteen ninety five it was nineteen ninety five it was fine you know you know um uh th- there were there were things about the show um that were not bad it wasn't you know mm-hmm. you you think of a mid-90s failed upn sitcom and you think oh my god i'm gonna hate every second of this i didn't hate every second of it i no. i kind of thought some of the actors were okay i wasn't annoyed you know it it i'm trying to think i would have been in my you know i, I was in my mid-20s then and i probably might have been okay a little bit with some of this uh, you yeah. know, this was before, you know, this was right. But, but, you know, this was right around the same time. We also had Friends was in its first season. This was a mid-season premiere in 95. And Seinfeld had been on for several years. They're sort of like, why would I watch this crap when I've got the best sitcoms in the world on NBC right now, right? And then CBS right. has some great sitcoms on Monday. It's sort of like, why are we even going here? It's just like, oh, we got to sit. It's like Richard Jenny was funny. He was a good guy, but he, he wasn't just... You needed brilliance around them. And that's why I actually did a story uh, about five, ten years ago about the mm-hmm. sort of boom in, in stand-up sitcoms. And, and it was really, you know, you just stood out, you know, comedy development executives, half of their days were spent in, nights rather, were spent in comedy clubs looking for the next big thing. Everybody, you know, you, you, so you had, uh, it, it wasn't just Ellen DeGeneres and, and Tim Allen and all the big names we knew. It was Sue Costello. It was, you know, um, and, 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 and much lesser ones. And it was great. And, and, but it was also, it was sort of an insult to the fact that great comedies need more than just someone who has an interesting life story. Yeah. You need to develop it. And, and, you, and, and that's why some later ones like Cristela, I love the first season of Cristela because it wasn't perfect, but it, it really did sort of go beyond just stand-up shtick. It was about right. her, but it sort of had interesting characters and had something to say. Platypus had man had nothing to say, you know. It, it no, really... not nothing, nothing different than any other half a dozen shows. And it's so funny in that era. Just you know, even even guys like George Carlin would be given shows, and they had nothing around him. They were just like, oh, people will watch it because it's George Carlin. Exactly, and and, and I, I felt really bad for the unknown people out there. I mean, George Carlin, Jeff Foxworthy couldn't make it. How was Thea? Yeah, whatever the I heck her last there. name was Thea supposed Bedell. to be. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember. I remember her at press tour actually, because I went to the press tour in '95, and but '93 was my first press tour, and yeah, and, and for that five years, it was just nothing but standups every year. It's like we we it and and some really interesting, fun people, uh, but you know, the, there was there weren't enough good writers around to support these people, and not all of them were good actors. I will say this, that, like I said uh, earlier, I think you know Richard could 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 act. Yeah. He was he was surprisingly I- pretty good. 
he held his own with the uh, the guest star who was on Wings at the time. I forget her name, Amy Asbeck, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, and he was much better than his two male friends, who oh, yeah. I just thought were kind of useless. Yeah. Um, and the dumb brother who was just the dumb jock, just to be like, ah, oh, I'm sure, you know, yeah. Um, um, and and you know, and, and but I will say this also, you know, the first half of the show, I was actually, I won't say I was vibing it, but I was, I was sort of thinking, yeah, oh, this is sort of cute, this is sort of funny, I like Richard Jenny, uh, but boy, then they just go off, and sort of the last seven minutes of the show just falls oh. right off a cliff. They had no idea how to end it. No. It's I'm, I'm going to go ahead and play the clip where he ends. <laughs> she ends the relationship. They're having a relationship. It's all going great for the He's dumbest reason. To- it's the dumbest reason I have ever seen, and I have seen so many Nickelodeon and Disney Channel shows. This is the maybe the dumbest end of a plot I've ever seen. Here it goes. What? Well, I came here to tell you that I'm leaving New York and I'm going back to Seattle. Why? Coffee. <laughs> Coffee? Well, it just doesn't taste the same here. I mean, I don't know if it's the water or the weather. You know, all kinds of things affect the oils in a coffee bean. I told you I was serious about coffee. I hope I haven't come off sound like a total nut. <laughs> of course you come off sound like a total nut. <laughs> come on, think about what you're saying. You're breaking up over a beverage? Well, anyone could make it sound silly. It is silly. It's wacko. God, I have everyday insecurities, but this, this is something written up in journals. I think I've heard enough. Wait, hey, come on, let's talk about it. I don't think so. Please. Nope. Wendy, I just bought a pound of fresh ground Kona. Uh. <laughs> Goodbye, Richard. Yep, that's right. Because she's from Seattle, he, the coffee isn't good enough in New York, so she's leaving him. That's yeah. it. They <laughs> clearly had nothing. And, and 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 just the cliche of it all, because that was right when coffee in Seattle and Starbucks was getting really popular, and there were probably magazine features about coffee being a thing. So it's like, aha, isn't this great? Like, that's like, come on. And this, again, this is where, again, it's sort of like bargain basement Seinfeld, right? Mm-hmm. Seinfeld had those great absurdist plot lines, the puffy shirt, whatever you want to talk about. They made it work. This was just like, oh, how about this? She wants to, like, you know, because she loves coffee. It's like, yeah. And on Seinfeld, it would have been the other way around, where Seinfeld or George or whoever would have rejected her because she was obsessed with coffee, yes. not the other way around. So yes. it actually makes the protagonist do something instead of right the guest star who's never going to show up again. Right. So it just it was just sort of like, and it sort of was supposed to make us feel sorry for for him like but but again he was also already like she should have broken up with him even not even told because you know what happens before this is he gets very possessive and because she's a massage therapist and she's massaging other people including his own brother he gets jealous and he freaks out and she and should the final straw is of course the 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 lesbianism because ah, he gets one to his friend yeah i mean look give them credit uh, well i'm surprised for a mid-90s european comedy they did have a whole thing where he was suddenly turned on by that because back then no, that's true that, that would have been the thing it's like oh okay i'm into you know they didn't go there so give the writers and 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 Richard Jenny credit for not going down that road. I, I'm sure that the uh, follow up show Pigsty would not have had the <laughs> no, same. They would have they would have they would have gone completely into that. Um, but so yeah, so it was it just sort of it was sort of like oh okay. And so to answer your question, would I come back for episode two? Well, no. After seeing that finish, yeah. it probably would have been like yeah, um, I, we need to check the ratings for 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 the. Uh, episodes two, three, and four, and see how how far the decline was. 
uh, yeah. because it, it it was it was just not there. And, and but you know yeah. you know for for the time, it, it, I don't think it was embarrassing. It was just it was just a disappointment. Right. And you know, I I think if not for the title, which gives it a kind of a notorious semi notorious. I mean, not. Not a lot of people have heard it, but if you say it and then people from the room are like, oh, I remember that, and they remember it as a flop. If not for the title, nobody would remember the show one way or the other, probably. And maybe they were smart about that because, you know, certainly no one remembers Thea, except me. Right. Uh, because Thea is just sort of like a name. It's just, you know, and, uh, Grace Under Fire, that's a great name, and, you know, and, and it's right. memorable. Uh, but by the way, so this was also, you know, from uh, Mort, Nathan, and I, th- I don't know if his partner on the show, but they were Golden Girls alumni. And that's what's really interesting because <laughs> Golden Girls had some great writing and I guess it wasn't being done by Mort Nathan um, or if it was he sort of didn't know what to do with Richard Jenny or maybe Richard Jenny rejected the jokes who knows because yeah. I'm sure with these shows also as we know Roseanne sort of got sort of the the legendary I mean she is Roseanne and we know now that right. she has issues um, and so but, but you know there were often I'm sure clashes between you know not everything was a beautiful partnership and friendship uh, like right. you know uh, Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David, right? They may yeah. Have Mart- Martin too. Nathan and his partner Barry Fanaro, uh, they actually did write the pilot too. So yeah, and 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 that's also you can see the jokiness, right? These are Golden Girl right. writers. That's why every second was like that's why you said something like Fatlock. Because look, can you? I can imagine Sophia Petrillo or B. Arthur saying like Fatlock, you know, and like and, yeah. and, and making it funny in a weird way, you know. And that that may be one of the reasons why I didn't like it quite as much because uh, uh, unpopular thing here I don't really like the Golden Girls that much. Oh uh, my lord! Well, thank you. This it's has been fine. A, it, it, this is yeah. this is my first and last show. Thank you very much. It's been great. I mean, no, I, it's, it's it's a good show. It's just not a great show, and I think it's just because in general, I for me for me personally, you hate old people. No, I hate shows where it's just the round of insults. Yes, it, it's and. That's one of the best ones of them, but it's still just one of those ones where it's just people standing around insulting each other. And especially after hearing how miserable B. Arthur was on set, I really have problems listening to them. But no, they're they're absolutely you know, we we you can say millennials and younger people today are snowflakes and they're too soft. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, you know what, people back then were jerks. And and yes. everybody was a lot meaner to everybody. And and you know, you and look, I love Joan Rivers. She was a brilliant comedian in many ways. You listen to some of the stuff that came out of her mouth and it was just vicious. And it's it's also in a way it's sort of cheap and and look there's a place for that you know you watch some of the friars clubs roast and some of that with people who really know each other it's fine right. and you know sometimes if you really know someone and love someone you can be vicious with them it's fine but it, you know when it's you know the show like the golden girls you're right it's it's not always the best thing i think though at the end of the day i still overlook that because all those characters really do love each other and they come back at the end they yell at each other they insult each other but they also make sure that there's a lot of true real love and that that sort of does it for me it's it's the people who have families where that's how that their love language is insults um but i agree i think it's glad that i'm, I'm happy we've evolved as a society sorry I mean, they all love each other except Blanche, who's just a monster. Anyways, <laughs> you're not a Blanche uh, fan. <laughs> so, now what happened afterwards? So, after his brief foray into sitcom, he continued to act. Uh, he most notably was in the film uh, The Mask as Jim Carrey's best friend, and in the mega disaster, an Alan Smithy film, Burn Hollywood Burn. I'm sure none of that was his problem. 
His stand-up career didn't seem to take a hit. It just kept getting bigger and bigger. He ended up hosting Caroline's Comedy Hour on E&E. He still had multiple specials, and he must have made lots of bank because he did corporate gigs and commercials left and right, won a bunch of awards. However, like I said earlier, like a bunch of stand-ups or the class clowns, a bunch of stand-ups also have struggles with mental illness. In his particular case, schizophrenia, which he lost that battle to in 2007. That is a depressing way to end the Richard Jennings story and the one of Platypus Man, but you know that we are with what we are dealt with. So, it's it's uh, you know I'm I'm glad that you know, there were 12 years separating this. Uh, I, I don't think that um, no. he had so much success after that, which is good. It, it was ultimately this was just sort of a little speed bump for him, um, and that's a good thing. If you're going to fail in a sitcom, you want to fail on UPN during its first or second season, right? Because no one <laughs> back then, well, you, you, people today, Richard Jenny's show, The Platypus Men, would probably be like the top number one show in America or, or one of the top ten. It averaged a 2.7. <laughs> In in demographic ratings or, or yes, <laughs> yeah. so yes, it would be the biggest show on TV, um, and that's not even with uh, any stupid DVR numbers. That's just live. So, um, right. yeah. you know, but back then that was no, it meant nobody was watching it, and it, he probably went on Jay and made a few jokes with Jay about it, and Jay sort of joked back with him, and because and Jay made a joke about some bad movie that he was in or some bad sitcom he was in, and and everything was great. So I, I think he handled that fine, and uh, but yeah, it's 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 um, it's uh, it's it is a sad ending. Uh, to uh, a, a really great career because Richard Jenny, you know, I am a little older than you, and and he, I will just I was in saying that, like, I remember him. He was a big deal, and not not like huge, but it was like he was a funny guy. He was always on the talk shows. He would, you know, he, Match Game wasn't a thing then, but he would have been on Match Game all the time, or right. or, or twenty five thousand, you know, Pyramid. You know, he, he was a good guy. So yeah, I think I remember him most for he did commercials for Certs, uh, <laughs> Breath Mints, and he was uh, I was an avid Comedy Central viewer in my middle school days and just watched whatever was on, and they used his clips over and over and over, and you know, remember him well. And you got so, Certs because of that commercial, didn't you? And your breath no. was fresh. No, 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 not a certs guy. Not a, you're, not a, a, you're a Mentos guy. guy. That's, that's that's the real fresh maker. Yeah, you know? exactly. Or do you just go? You just lean into the halitosis sack. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, my uh, breath just. There, there's a reason I didn't have a girlfriend in high school. So. <laughs> you know what? It, you know that was. It's it's called being raw and honest and unfiltered. And that was a '90s ethos, man. You that's know, true. I saw singles. You know, they were. You, you could just thinking of singles. I can smell them. You could just yeah, smell everyone uh, in that movie. The, literally, the grunge was was there for a reason. B.O. and, and uh, clothes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That was the 90s. <laughs> All right, so that's the end of that. And normally this is where I'd plug whatever the next episode is, but we can always put that in later, uh, unless you want to do that right now. Uh, if you wanted to do another one. Next time we'll be doing Hey Dude. I don't know. Here is an abrupt edit as Zach, the professional that he is, decided to talk away from the microphone and couldn't be heard. All right, our next show is... Live with Regis and Kathy Lee. What? <laughs> uh, it was a, uh, a talk show that ran from 1989 to present, although we're not going to deal with the present version, just the live with Regis and Kathy Lee. The best version. I can tell you my Regis stories. I had lunch with Regis. Zach, this is going to be great. All right. Did you ever have lunch with Gelman? Uh, possibly. I knew Gelman very well. And, uh, and okay. I, have, I have a friend who, uh, well, I won't get into this on the podcast. All right, that's fair enough. All right, until next time, I'm going to play the cue here, and we'll hear you next time on Random Access Television. See you, everybody.
Thanks for listening to Random Access Television. If you'd like to contact us, the podcast is on Twitter, which is also known as X, who is secretly Speed Racer's brother, at RATVPod, or you can email us at RATVPod at gmail.com. My social handle on Twitter, Blue Sky and Threads, is TelevisionaryZW, and Joe is on Twitter and Blue Sky as TVMojo. That's Joe with an E, Mo without. If you like the show, or even if you don't and just feel bad for us, please do us a favor and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your podcaster of choice. It really helps us get the word out. So thanks again. Y'all come back now, you hear? Coming up next from the producers of Cheers. This is your new home. What do you think? A brand new comedy about five peers. It's uh, not really the way you described it to me on the phone. Just starting out in their careers. Mission accomplished, boys. I just torpedoed my co-worker. <laughs> they share more than just a few beers. You work out, Iowa. Yeah, a little. How about a little more? So hey, I'm to drop on by for the premiere of Pigsty. It's all coming up next right here on UPN.